Your first trip to Spain can be a breeze if you know how to temper your expectations for what's likely to be a different way of life compared to back home. Let's get some well-tested advice from tour guides who specialize in introducing American visitors to Spain. Joining us are Francisco Gloria, who lives in Pamplona in the Northeast, and American-born James Scanlon, who lives in his wife's home region of San Sebastian in the Basque Country. When we think of Americans going to Spain, all this opportunity, all of this overwhelming, it's the first time, what do I do right? From your experience, James, you've been living there now for more than a decade. You've got a a lot of experience traveling. What are the pitfalls? What advice would you give an American to properly experience Spain? One of the things I would encourage people to be prepared for is the difference in kind of how the daily routine goes in terms of hours. People tend to have breakfast a little bit later, We'll have lunch much later and dinner as well. And if you fight that, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, it can be tough sometimes. It kind of throws you off, especially in American culture where we're very used to having dinner as early as 5 or 6 o'clock. In Spain, dinner's not going to be served at a sit-down restaurant generally until 8 or 8.30 p.m. So when I'm researching my guidebooks, I'm checking out all the restaurants. And if I'm visiting restaurants at 7 o'clock, I'm just seeing the staff having their dinner. Exactly. And if a place is serving... It's a, not a good restaurant if it's serving that time. I mean, I don't. I think that's a, a restaurant that's a hard that's a rock cafe. Trap. Yeah. <laughs> a tourist yeah. trap. So that's important is to go with the tempo. And Francisco, what is it, some advice you would have for the American visiting Spain for his first time? Uh, I think the one of the things about Spain is that we're very loud and we're very direct people. One of the things when we come, Europeans, to the United States, it takes forever to do anything. You go to a cafe. And it's like, hi, how are you doing? My, uh, my name is Shelly. Uh, how can I help you? When you go to Spain, it's like, a coffee. <laughs> That's it. So people think it's rude. It's not. It's just the way we do it. So we're very, very direct. So and no small talk. Just no what small do you talk. want? So it's like, a coffee. How much? Oh, one euro. Thanks. Bye. So don't judge by how many extra words and smiles you get. Smiles? No, <laughs> not either. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's funny. I, I would definitely agree with what Francisco said there. And If you were to walk into a place and open the conversation, if you were to buy something, a a candy bar, with the normal niceties that we might say, hi, how are you, Uh, may I please have this, people would look at you funny. like. So save that for France. Exactly. Now, when you go to Spain, it is hot in the summer. How do local people deal with the heat, uh, Francisco? The first thing, do not come out at midday. You have the most important thing in Spain, which is called siesta. A siesta, it's a necessity in the south of Spain. When you said that, I remembered, I learned last time I was in Spain, I think there's a joking word for uh, tourists uh, or people that are out working and sightseeing in the early afternoon, wall huggers. They're yeah. close to the wall to be in the shade. To be in the shade. And then uh, shrimp because they're just sunburned. Yeah, they're all sunburned. <laughs> it's so easy to see, especially, sorry, the Brits, they sunburn very, very fast. <laughs> English people do sunburn quickly and they're up against the wall trying to stay out of the sun, while a Spaniard would be under a tree having a drink or at home taking a nap. Taking a little or, nap. Yeah, and then out late. Yes, as James was saying, you you change the timings. Right? So James, how do you handle the, the heat? What was your trick? Stay indoors. I think that's a good one. From noon till five. Yes. Or even a little bit later, as, as I mentioned, that lunchtime is usually around two o'clock. Mm-hmm. So you have lunch. So you can have a long, relaxing lunch. lunch. Exactly. And that would be generally air-conditioned or at least in the shade. Exactly. But you're not out there, you know, beating the pavement to see this and that church and this gallery. Exactly. That's pretty important. Also, in Spain, there's this wonderful tradition of the paseo. Mm-hmm. And, and that's after the sun's gone down, basically, isn't it? It's when people reemerge from the cave or their nap and the temperatures come down a bit. 
you know, being a very social culture, people go out, have a nice, long, relaxing walk, wave to their friends, maybe stop and have a coffee or a beer in a cafe. What's the Paseo scene from city to city? How would we as tourists know where it is or, or what to do? I would say typically it's going to be in the area of around parks, uh, city squares with a lot of restaurants or tables outside. Pedestrian areas? Exactly. A lot of times? Yeah. So you could ask at the hotel, where's the Paseo? Definitely. What's prime time for a Paseo? Well, it depends on the time of year, uh-huh. but uh, between 7 and 8 o'clock. 7 and 8 o'clock, so it's before dinner. Yes, before and that's, dinner. In fact, that's when you're ready for dinner, go for a walk for an hour and a half and be out there with the people. And then you're nice and hungry. <laughs> Francisco, what's your advice on the Paseo? It's a must thing. It is a must thing. I mean, if you you want to leave the Spanish thing, you have to go for a paseo. It's a place to meet people, to see the real people. And to enjoy the architecture and the vibe of the city. Uh, Every city has a great Plaza Mayor. Yes. And the great, like I can remember in uh, Salamanca, the greatest Plaza Mayor, I think. And everybody's out. It's not a tourist thing. It's not a young adult thing. It's everybody, all the generations. I think it's one of the things that shocks Americans. You have... The grandparents, the kids, the babies, strollers, the whole city is out. I love that. Now, when we're planning a trip to Spain, we have to consider the crowds because Spain really is a popular destination. James, is there a kind of a peak season and a less crowded season? How do, how do you deal with tourist crowds and, and what are the pros and cons? Um, peak season is going to be similar to a lot of other parts of Europe. So kind of May through September, the busiest probably being September. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably a dip in uh, uh, July and August when it's so hot. It's pretty hot, so there's definitely a dip there. So if you don't mind the heat, it's a good time to go. The crowds okay. are a little bit smaller. Right. Um, in terms of going to museums and things, I would say get there early. Mm-hmm. Um, it tends to be much less crowded, uh, say 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. So when it opens, find out midday. when it opens. Exactly. Francisco, a lot of tourists want to go to the same place. Everybody's in Madrid. They all want to go to the palace. Everybody's in Barcelona. They all want to go to Gaudi's Sagrada Familia Church. Everybody's in Granada. They want to go to the Alhambra. Mm-hmm. What's your advice for tickets? Go online. Like go online. Everywhere else in the world, go online and get your tickets before you leave. So the even States. if technically you can go to the door and get a ticket, you're asking for frustration. Yes. You're risking a bad day. I was just in Barcelona and the ticket booth closed. They just said, they went home. We've sold all our tickets today. Come back tomorrow. Especially, and, like you said, like Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, go online. Francisco Gloria is a lifelong resident of Pamplona, and Minnesota-born James Scanlon now makes San Sebastian his home, where he's raising a family with his Basque-born wife. There are guides for a first-timer's look at Spain right now on Travel with Rick Steves. When we're thinking about going to Spain, a lot of times you've got these clichés that people just have to see. James, what are the top two or three clichés that, granted, they're very touristy, but also you just got to do them? What are your tips on experiencing that dimension of Spain? I think one good example is the bullfighting culture. Mm-hmm. It is certainly not all of Spain that is proud of bullfighting or very into it. So if you're in the north and the Basque country of Catalonia, you're likely not to find much, if any at all. I heard it was outlawed in Catalonia. They don't do bullfighting anymore in Catalonia. That's correct. Where do they do it? Uh, mostly in Madrid and then in the south. You still have bullfights in Ronda. Francisco, Sevilla. what's your advice for bullfighting? You cool. come from the city where they <laughs> run with the, roll. Roll the wolves. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> political correctness. Sorry. Okay. Political correctness. I'm trying to respond to this. <laughs> Sorry about that. that, you, got, that you got bullfighting in your blood. Come on, be I have, honest. I love bullfighting. I'm from the <laughs> north. I cannot deny it. I, I know a lot of people do not understand. It's very difficult to understand bullfighting. But I always tell people that when they come to Spain, go to see one bullfight. 
try to understand it mm-hmm. because there's much more than just killing an animal. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's the pride of the life of the animal. So it's a very beautiful thing. Yes, there's death and there's... I understand that people are not going to like it, but you might understand it. I mean, you can say it's barbaric and objectively it is. But and from and a, I perfectly understand it. But from a culture point of view, it's it's always been there and, and people read about it in the culture pages, not in the sports pages. Yes. I mean, for us, it's... For the people who, that we like bullfighting, it's more almost like a religion. And you can feel it even in the bars. There's The bullfight is on the TV. Yeah, it's on the TV and you have bullfighting uh, bars, like you have soccer bars. So it's it's in our blood, it's in our DNA. So if you're interested in a bullfight, uh, Madrid has the big arena, arena. Yes. in Pamplona where you live. There's a bullfight every day during the running of the bull season. In Pamplona, uh, we only have to in one week a year, but in Barth- mm-hmm. in Madrid, uh, you have a season. A whole season. Uh, yeah, you Sundays can from Easter mm-hmm. until yeah. the fall. The... And then in Andalusia also. Mm-hmm. The quintessential place is Andalusia. Another cultural cliche would be flamenco. And a lot of times when people think about Spain, they're kind of thinking about Andalusia, aren't they? I was in uh, Barcelona, and there was a big procession and a big parade and the Virgin Mary, and the Catalonian people kind of rolled their eyes, and they go, these are people from Andalusia. Well, the thing is that Andalusia is such a powerful culture. We have yeah. to understand that there are 700 years of Muslim, I don't like saying domination, but Muslim heritage. Mm-hmm. And that happiness, that special thing is very powerful, and it's where you see it in Andalusia. Andalusia is very, very special. Because of the Muslim influence or because of the strength of the indigenous culture to survive that? But the thing is that a lot of the flamenco comes yeah. from the Muslim. That's true. Form. When you listen to the flamenco singing, you can hear the I echoes. Almost, I almost hear the echoes of the call to prayer. It's a it is. wailing so, from, from Arabia. The thing is that Andalusia, it's by the Mediterranean. So, so many cultures coming in and out. So it's a mixture, a melting pot of all of these cultures. So the flamenco, it's the summary of all of them. This is so important when we travel to have a little context to understand these kind of... They can be cultural cliches, but they are the essence of the culture in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, Spain, it's Andalusia and it's flamenco. And a lot of people say, oh, Spain is not only that. No, but it's a huge part of it's what we are. It's a huge part of it. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking tips for a first-time visitor to Spain. We've been joined by two Spanish tour guides, James Scanlon and Francisco Gloria. So, James, just to wrap things up, share with us one food experience that you think everybody should be mindful of as they think about traveling in Spain. I would say a great food experience to take advantage of, and it almost falls in the cliche category as well, is the jamón. Trying the, the wonderful jamón from Spain. The, the beautiful ham. It's, it's the ham, mm. yes, the cured ham. It's fantastic. When I come across the border, I'm not in Spain until I've crunched through the beautiful crusty bread and into that jamón. And it's worth paying extra. Absolutely. For the good jamón. Yes. What's the good jamón and what's the cheap? Uh, the good jamón comes from the Iberian pig, uh-huh. uh, and it's fed acorns. What's it called? So it gives it a, the pata negra. You'd see the, what is it, Iberico? Iberico, yes. Iberico. Jamón Iberico. And then the run-of-the-mill ham would be uh, Serrano. Jamón Serrano. Serrano, exactly, Serrano. So you don't need to know the name, just get the expensive stuff. Exactly, Get it's worth paying for. It's worth eating less and better. Yes. Life's too short to eat mediocre ham in Spain. Francisco, what about a musical experience when you're in Spain? To me, there are like two big Spanish music themes. One is the flamenco that we have already talked about. So you have to go to see a flamenco show. Yeah. Okay. Some of them are cheesy, very touristic, but it's flamenco. So if you go to one of these places and you feel something, then I don't care if it's touristic. Flamenco is about passion, it's about feeling. So it's a great thing. Sit in the front row and look into the eyes of the performers. It's so much power. What is the word? Duende. Duende. What is duende? Duende is like a... 
it's a spark. That, it's a spark you feel deep inside yes. of you, and it goes back centuries, and you're part of the scene. And you will feel it. I yeah. mean, uh, flamenco, it's about letting yourself feel. And you're right. You can stay up at midnight and go to some bar with all the Spaniards, but you can also, at 7 o'clock, there's a show yeah. for $15, and you got 50 tourists sitting around, and you got some local musicians just singing and playing their heart out, and I find it riveting. It is fantastic. I love flamenco. Sevilla is the easiest place to yes. do that. Yes, and Sevilla you're going to find in every corner. All right. Place. So, flamenco, and then what was the other musical thought? Uh, the other thing is, uh, a little bit more culturally, is the zarzuela. Zarzuela. And if you want to, it starts with Z. With a Z? Yeah, okay. okay. What is that? Zarzuela, it's like the Spanish opera. Okay. Okay, it's more between opera and a Broadway show. It's kind of like our Gilbert and Sullivan kind of yes. light opera. It's a little light opera. But it's, uh, the topics that they talk about, it's very Spanish topics. Yeah. So it's a uh, very Melodramatic. Nice, very dramatic. When I've gone, you don't need to understand the language because the little light opera themes are just yeah. so predictable. So it's, it's very predictable. It's delightful. But it's very... I love the zarzuela. Where do you find zarzuela? Okay. I know there's a famous theater in Madrid yeah. for that. Uh, in Madrid, you, it's the best place to find all the zarzuelas. And you can still find that today. Mm-hmm. Zarzuela. This Flamenco. Jamon. Beautiful advice from great guides. Francisco, James, gracias. Thank you. Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.